I found our life very boring and stifling. And so it's really hard to get really horny for someone who seems to be stuck in a place you don't want to be stuck, if that makes sense. But first, a word from our sponsors. The Handy is leading a sex toy revolution for the dick havers. So you're going to want to get this one wrapped around your cock with free shipping when you use promo code BILLY20 at thehandy.com. We all know cognitive behavioral therapy works, but you don't always need to hire a whole therapist to deal with the minor stresses of daily life. Therapy guides you through courses on jealousy, imposter syndrome, and more. Download the Therapy app for your mental health at manhorpod.com slash therapy. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to all the flaming hot liberals, mm, all you sexy snowflakes, ah, and Ralph Nader. This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. If you're new, welcome back. If you're not, this week on the pod, I have got on writer and fellow OnlyFans hottie, Kathy Reisenwitz. Looking forward to sharing our conversation with y'all in a little bit. I'm still in San Francisco getting ready for uh, more very frustrating travel. Again, Billy has learned his lesson. Uh, treat myself. I'm worth it. But I can't wait for Manhorkon this weekend. That's going to be a nice relaxation for me uh, because I'm like, because this year's Manhorkon is different, I'm going to be very hands-off. Y'all do what you want to do. I'm going to be out here reading my book, Naked in the Backyard, Catching Some Sun. Call me if someone like goes to the hospital. That's, <laughs> I feel like that's where I'm going to be at. I'll share more about my, my West Coast trip, uh, on next week's episode. I'm going to, I'm going to keep this intro tight because I gotta, I gotta get back to packing and then I gotta get to sleep and, and get moving. Before I get to this week's guest, I want to do a quick fan whore appreciation moment. I know I missed it last week. That's my bad. I am sorry. That's why I'm going to do a little twofer. I'm going to say a big shout out to Aaron Penny. I hope you're enjoying the peep show, buddy. Thank you for the support on Patreon. Uh, and I also want to give a big thank you to Lily Malley. Mazel on your latest of weddings. Thanks for being a member. Thanks for supporting the show. And you too can become a member and support this whore with a heart of gold with your doll hairs. Uh, I help keep that roof over my head, and, and maybe even some condoms on my cock. It would be incredibly helpful. Membership begins at just $2 a month. And, and seriously, it really, like, I don't, sometimes I get emails saying, oh, Billy, you know, and I'm going to get on the Patreon. I just, I just want to wait till I can afford to get a good level. And it's like, you know what? 
your two is very much appreciated because every dollar that comes my way directly from a listener uh, warms my goddamn heart. It, it, it's the ideal way to pay your rent is directly from the people who love your work. Hey, sponsorships are great, but uh, the the love from you directly is what I'm in this for. Um, I, what, you think I'm in it for the love of the game? Yeah, sure, but I'm also in it for like validation from strangers. <laughs> so uh, seriously, uh, shout out to Fanhorn Nation on Patreon. Thank you to Aaron and Lily. And if you too want to support me, if you too want to receive some pretty cool behind-the-scenes exclusive rewards, bonus content, uh, become a member on Patreon today at patreon.com slash podcast. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash manwhore podcast. Uh, this week's guest, Kathy Reisenwitz, uh, she is, she's a libertarian. She is an intersectional feminist. She is a writer for a variety of publications. And she is also an OnlyFans thoughty. Um, I will say tomorrow on Patreon, exclusively on Patreon, I'm going to have a bonus episode uh, with Kathy Reisenwitz come out. Uh, we, we The beginning of this conversation was very political wonkiness. We were talking a lot about libertarianism, the frustrations of libertarianism, um, how feminism intersects libertarianism. And, and as much as I love that type of stuff and I can nerd out on that stuff. Uh, it's also not like what this podcast is typically about. So I'm, I clipped that big chunk out and, uh, that will come out tomorrow on Patreon for all of my $5 and up fan whores. But for now, uh, you know, let's, let's go get to know Kathy Reisenwitz. Before we get to my conversation with Kathy, I have to tell you something really important. I think I've made a discovery. And by discovery, I mean I have a really cool sponsor who I've been raving about already in the past. I truly believe that the handy just might be the Hitachi for dicks. If you got a vulva and you like vibrations, then you have to have a magic wand of some sort, you know? And that's how I feel about the handy. I think this is the way we move forward with automated hand jobs. I, they got it right. I've put my dick in a couple strokers before and none have given me the satisfaction of the handy. And I, you know, who would have thought the Norwegians would have come up with such brilliancy? You know, we thought they were limited to, oh no, that's the Swedes. I was about to make an Ikea joke, but you know what I mean here. So if you got a penis and you like a good, wet, sloppy hand job, you want to get a handy. And let me tell you something. If you use code Billy20, B-I-L-L-Y 20 at checkout, you are going to get free shipping. And since they're in the in the Scandinavian region of the world, the shipping can be pretty pricey. So that code's gonna save you 20 to 30 bucks, depending where you live, maybe even more. The code is Billy B-I-L-L-Y 220 at com. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by the Therapy app. Therapy, it's like therapy and it's an app. Appy, it's therapy. It's, it's your self therapy coach. Uh, this is an app for your mental health. This is an app to help you, uh, cope with the mild mental health issues that, uh, that life can throw at you. We all know CBT therapy works. I mean, that we, so many of us either have gone to a therapist who did CBT, um, or some of us went to a dominatrix who did CBT while they offered cock and ball torture, you know, and, uh, the, ther- the therapy app it just gives you a way more affordable option. 
than your standard therapist. The courses are written by certified therapists and it's based on the CBT, the cognitive behavioral approach. Uh, so you get a self-therapy coach in your pocket. So visit manwhorepod.com slash therapy. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually make the URL for both therapy with one P or therapy with two P's. Both are gonna work. <laughs> And start improving your mental health with a commitment of just 5 to 15 minutes a day. And come on, who doesn't got an extra 5 minutes a day to work on your mental health, okay? Just put your dick down for about 5 minutes. Just put the wand away. So visit manwhorepod.com slash therapy with one P or two P's and start improving your mental health 5 to 15 minutes a day. Uh, One more time, that's manwhorepod.com slash therapy or therapy. Now let's get to the show. And then you take enough psychedelics that you realize there is no us. It's just all matter. <laughs> As I stare at a poster of a mushroom with the words, eat me. Yeah, that's my new uh, art. With, uh, with writer and uh, part-time hoe and, and activist, uh, Kathy Reisenwitz. Did I say that name right? It's perfect. Oh, fuck yeah. You grew up evangelical. Oh, yes. And then how'd you end up here on this couch? Oh, man. <laughs> it's a long story. I, I've got time. <laughs> uh you know, it's funny. I got less religious as I got older and my Shocker. husband yeah, got more. Um, and we just came to a point where I was unhappy in my marriage and I could not figure out a way to be happy in it. And I wanted to go to therapy the whole time. Mm-hmm. And he would only see our pastor and his wife. And I went in there and I was just like, you know, we've been having the same argument the whole four years we've been married. We we're together for seven mm-hmm. Told them my problems. What was the, what was the the same argument? Essentially, that he wanted to have a more simple life than I did. Like he didn't want to work hard and like earn money and like move out of Birmingham and like just go on adventures. Like okay. he was very much like a home buddy. He liked to, you know, teach guitar and German lessons part time and like German lessons. He's a brilliant man. So, no. No, 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 no. He wants to be up in the, in the Alps <laughs> speaking German. He's a, he's very progressive. Actually. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's a sweetheart. Yeah. He's wonderful. Um, but we just had different visions of what a good life looked like. And that's what happens when you get married at 22. Oh my God. 22. Yeah. So there's like, there's like the college boyfriend that turns into husband that turns into your first ex-husband. Correct. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was all complicated by the fact that I grew up in purity culture and so i lost my virginity on my wedding night you're one of those yes i've never met one of you oh well the closest i've come is like uh someone who i knew who was super slutty and then and then found jesus and then saved herself for marriage from like that point on sure although she did find a kink loophole so they would do like bdsm because like well this isn't penetration i'm like yeah i'm sure jesus uh, yeah if there is a god they're fine with him whipping you with a flogger as long as you don't stick a finger. In, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, for us, it was like oral sex is fine. And then when I once I started having, you know, penis and vagina, I was like, that is hilarious that I thought that there was some big difference between those two things. <laughs> Did you know any uh, any girls in your community who were the, uh, oh, anal's fine? I heard tell. You heard tell. No one told me themselves that that was their most of my friends were like, you know, I wouldn't say they were more normal necessarily, but yeah, anyway, no. 
is is the whole is the is the purity anal chick is that like something that maybe okay god maybe allows that but we look down on you is there like almost like a sort of a purity hierarchy you know what you know what i mean it's like even if it is allowed we still don't think it's great oh there was definitely a purity hierarchy oh my gosh yeah if you were like serious about it you didn't even kiss yeah that was a thing and what, what? So, what's like the indoctrination of all that? Like, like when you're when you're young, what's the introduction to the concept of purity? I mean, in like the evangelical South, it was it was ubiquitous. Like, I don't remember, you know, it. I don't remember it being introduced to me. Now, I do remember when I was in high school going on a purity, an abstinence retreat with my youth group, which sounds like a great way to stop being abstinent. Anything with a retreat, conferences, retreats are like youth retreats are just like conferences for kids. People are fucking at those. (laughs) They might have been. I wasn't. But yeah, I'm sure the cool kids were. What was it? What was the purity retreat like? It was super interesting. Um, One thing that I I mean, obviously, we talked about like the biblical case for abstinence. um, And then we talked about like the practical benefits of abstinence. And there was also a demonstration where we were given pieces of tape and asked to stick the tape to various surfaces. And then we would see that the tape becomes less sticky, the less, the more it's used. And that was a metaphor for how sex is supposed to bind two people together. But if you have sex with multiple people, it works less to bind. It's less sticky because there's more cum. So it's just a slippery (laughs) situation. Uh, One thing I was I was writing an article recently about Matt Gates and um, evangelical purity culture, and one of the writers who I linked to in the piece, um, it's on Bitch if you want to check it out. She used the term uh, sexual um, prosperity gospel, which I thought was extremely perfect, succinct way to describe. What was happening? So we were told that if we waited for marriage, God would bless our marriages, Mm -hmm. that we would have better sex, that we would stay married longer. Um, And I was super horny and I really wanted a good marriage. Um, And so I was just like, okay, well, if this is what it takes, like, I'll do that. If this is the right thing to do, then, you know, I I will commit. And a lot of people, you know, don't commit. um, But yeah, I tend to commit to things. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I was pretty disappointed to find out that waiting did not guarantee me um, a happy marriage. What was the what was the wedding night? Was that first sexual experience? What, was it first uh, sexual experience or like first like PIV? So it was just our first PIV. Because all the other stuff was like kind of okay. Well, so we had been dating for three years at this sure. point and like going down on each other for like you know, two and a half years. Did he? Was he at least good at that by the time you all got married? My husband was actually like very good giving in game. Good. Yeah. He, yeah. I, I cannot follow him for anything in that regard, for sure. It was definitely anticlimactic. Like, I feel like, you know, we were told that like sex is this huge deal. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it was also to the point where it was like, obviously we were, I was very tempted in the beginning to have sex to go all the way, yeah. you know, I think that's a dumb term, but whatever. Um, but then, you know, two years later, it's like, eh, we can wait another year for the wedding, you know, whatever. And then it happens and you're just like, this was nice and I enjoyed it. But again, like there's no vast difference between what we've been doing and this. Like, it's just 
bodies coming together like and we love each other and it's it's nice but it's not world changing did the did the sex life was it able to improve like i mean it wasn't bad it was you know well you were like it was nice and i don't know when i hear if if i'm in bed if after having sex with someone they go like that was nice (laughs) i never think that was a good thing (laughs) you know i think that people tend to from what i've read fall in love and there's this cascade of chemicals and they tend to wear off about 18 on average within 18 months. Mm -hmm. And then you either break up or you transition into a more companionate, calm, long-term love. There's studies on that. Yeah, there are. Okay. Yeah. It's super interesting. Cause that's going to start explaining why I haven't made it to two years with anybody. (laughs) Yes. That's very common. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, no, it's congrats. all right. I don't know. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. It's fine. <laughs> uh, what's nice about being non-monogamous is like there's always a new op- new totally. opportunity to start the clock over. <laughs> it's like someone's got to make it two years <laughs> at some point. <laughs> I find my most stable relationships are non-monogamous for sure. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, we had a hot and heavy in love sex life that just didn't involve P and V when mm. we fell in love. And by the time we married, we were in a more companionate place. Mm-hmm. Right. So it wasn't, yeah. Like I wasn't in love with him the way I was when we fell in love. I was in love with him in the way that you are when you've been with someone for three years. Mm-hmm. So does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you'd already like the, the temperatures had already cooled at right. that point. We definitely tried to keep it new, fresh and exciting in our marriage. And I think we did a, 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 a really good job with what we were working with. Mm. But at the end of the day, he I th- wanted to speak German in the mountains. <laughs> you know, he I wanted just... to fight with the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of, you know, I just, you, I think Esther Perel does some amazing work around explaining kind of what desire is and how desire and comfort are somewhat at odds that you mm. and you know and spe- especially mothering that if you're in a position where you are super comfortable with someone and are taking care of them in any way mm. that you you can't then simultaneously like strongly sexually desire them it's really hard to to do both mm. and so i think with my marriage it was just we were doing a lot of the right things and like we had a lot of you know, basic fundamental compatibility in, in like sexually, but um, I wasn't excited by him because the kind of adventures I wanted to have, he wasn't interested in. And so um, we were very comfortable with each other. He was my best friend. Hmm. He was an amazing person. You still speak kindly of him now. Like, was it an amicable divorce? Unfortunately, no, oh. it was not. Um, it was... I think that was really complicated by the religion aspect of it, but but no, I have no ill will towards him. I I still think he was he was and is a fantastic person. He just wanted different things out of life than I did, and I I I found our life very boring and stifling. And so it's really hard to get really horny for someone who seems to be stuck in a place you don't want to be stuck. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. And then did you already did you have ever? Were you suspecting you might be Polly when you were in the marriage? Or when did that start becoming a realization in your mind? See, that that is so funny to me because at 
certain points I would have trouble like wanting to have sex with him. And I could not understand why I was just like, he's good in bed. He's attractive. Like what is the problem? And so I thought I had a low sex sex drive. I was like, I just must, you know, have a low libido. A lot of married women have this problem. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I was also fantasizing about my coworkers. So I don't, for, for some reason that didn't like clue me in that maybe, you know, A, like I am actually quite horny and B, like I might not be entirely monogamous. But by the time I was ready to leave him, I thought I cannot die having had sex with like two people in my life. I was already dating someone else. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, I need to have what I called a hoe phase. It was, I never thought about non-monogamy. I just thought like I need to whore around a little bit just to have this experience. You didn't know that you could make it be this open, agreed upon situation. No, that never occurred to me. And then my partner at the time was like, have you ever heard of polyamory? And I'm like, maybe in passing, but I don't really know what it means. And so we decided like once we got more settled in life that we would open up a relationship so that I could continue dating him and mm. have this experience. Would that mean like more settled in life? Well, everything like like I said, like, like getting the divorce done and things like that or. So A, get the divorce done and then B, we wanted to move to D.C. together. So I was like, let's let's get through this move. Let's like get settled in our new place and our new jobs, our new life. And then talk about opening up. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. Uh, what were the conversations with you two like leading up to opening it up? And did you all have a conversation about like the terms of the new relationship model? Oh, man. I mean, I feel like we made every mistake possible. Perfect. What, <laughs> is, is that not the best way to learn? Like non-fatal <laughs> mistakes? What were some of the mistakes you all made up top? Um, there were definitely times when I would you know, not, I would make an agreement and then not want to stick to it or not stick to it. Um, I think ultimately what we did, what everybody does, which is we had been monogamous. We wanted to stay together more than we wanted anything else. And opening up is extremely uncomfortable. It's very, um, there's a lot of fear involved having dated not i'm assuming you've dated non-monogamously since that guy right right? so it's like do you find it is easier to do it starting non-monogamously than opening it up absolutely Mm -hmm. for sure yes um because you're not afraid at the beginning as much when you're a monogamous couple and you open up all the fear is around losing what you have Mm. And, you know, that's the thing that you want to avoid. And so when you start a relationship open, then you're not thinking like, oh, if we do this, we might break up because you're definitely going to do it because you've both already committed to this is what this is. Or it's like, well, that's not going to be what we break up over. If we break up, it'll be over something else. Right. How it manifests differently in a couple that's opening up from monogamy versus a couple that goes in non-monogamous is you look at that fear And you say, it is what it is. Like, I'm not going to try to control this person. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to try to put rules in place. I'm not going to try to put guardrails up. I'm just going to accept that this is a possibility. Yeah. Um, But what monogamous couples do who are opening up their relationship is they try to put up all these guardrails, all these rules, all these agreements, all these, you know, you can go out, but you can't spend the night. You can kiss but you have to tell me before you sleep with them you can fuck but you can't do anal because that's our whole you know totally i've I've heard that rule before (laughs) yes and they're so silly and it's just it's it totally makes sense it's like you are trying to 
make yourself feel more secure. You're trying to alleviate your pain. You're trying to avoid discomfort. You know, I understand like if you're out on a date and your partner is also out on a date, then if your partner being out on a date makes you uncomfortable, you don't want that because you want to just be on your date and not be uncomfortable. But in asking your partner not to be on a date themselves, you're just delaying the inevitable because Mm -hmm. if your partner being on a date is going to threaten your relationship, like then that's going to happen. And you telling them not to do it isn't going to stop it from happening. It's just going to delay it happening. And they're going to resent you in the meantime. And you're going to have to waste all these cycles negotiating these boundaries and these rules. And it's just dumb. Like, just no. Like, if you're going to be non-monogamous, people do it all kinds of ways. People do don't ask, don't tell. People do open relationships. People do swinging. If you want to do polyamory, in my opinion, the best way to do it is to commit, to rip the bandit off and say, you're allowed to, you're a sovereign person and you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want to do it. If you want to put boundaries on like, I want to know about it, I think that's appropriate and I think that's best. Are there rules that you try to ask for when you're in relationships? Um, Don't lie to me. Okay. And I prefer to know everything. Hmm. It's not a rule. Like you're allowed to have privacy. But all is equal, like, I, I love you and I want to know about your life. And I, I mean, all of my friends, I'm like, you know, if you c- could tell me about your work or your hobby or your ro- romantic life, like, I want to know about the romantic life first. I just think it's super interesting and fun to hear about. Yeah. Um, and so, and I also don't like to be surprised. And I feel like everything comes out in the wash anyway. So, like, let's just tell each other about things. But no, I mean, I, I really try not to abridge my friends or partners autonomy i try to say you know it's your life you can live it do what you want um but don't lie to me and you know i'd like to know about it as much as is feasible and how did that first non-monogamous that first non-monogamous poly you know whatever y'all were doing how did that uh, relationship pan out i know you said there were a lot of mistakes made but totally sounds like you'll try to get through them we did um we learned a lot um, and then at the end, I left him for someone monogamous. The thing I'm terrified. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how it looked. And that is literally what happened. But I think also at the end of the day, um, I started dating someone. I really liked them. And I think you just get to a point where you are like, I didn't think I would be happier with this next person. I just wanted a different set of problems. Mm. Like I'd been with him for like, I want to say five years. And it was just. I was just tired of that set of problems and I didn't see a way out of them. This is why I recommend couples counseling to everyone is just like you get into patterns Mm -hmm. that are really hard to get out of without professional help or like something to shake things up. Well, well, like were the, the, when you say like the set of problems are these things you were, would you kind of like let them go and let them slide? Do you, would you bring them up and they just became the normal fight y'all got into? Well, like for one example, I think the, the example that really stands out to me is that I felt constantly like I was disappointing him like he would do all these kind things for me and I would like try to reciprocate but I just I didn't feel I already felt like I wasn't as good at being a good partner as he was why is that well I'm not a very conscientious person by default and then I think like part of it is just having a strong like theory of mind where you're able to see things from another person's perspective easily. I'm not like super great at that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not super great at like 
looking at a person and thinking like, oh, like they might like this. It's if you ask me like, yeah. hey, will you go get me a drink of water? I will get you a drink of water. But you want to like just be asked for the thing. Like you would like you're happy to do the dishes. Just ask me to do the dishes. Everyone will be happier if you can ask me because if you rely on me to think of it on my own, I'm just not great at it. Right. Um, and he, you know, so it got into a toxic pattern where he would want me to do nice things for him, understandably. He would do a bunch of nice things for me, but I would try. I would not meet either of our standards. And then I just was demotivated. And so I would stop trying and I would resent him and he would resent me. And it's like, and that's what will happen in a relationship is if someone tries and the other person doesn't like give them a lot of positive reinforcement, they'll often give up. Do you like expressing love to a partner? Yeah, of course. How do you like to express love to a partner? Yeah, I think I'm a huge like words of affirmation person. Um, I'm also somewhat of a acts of service person. Another example is like, when I met this person, I had been in one relationship, mm. essentially, in my adult life. Like, I had met my husband when I was 19. I'd had high school relationships, but that doesn't really count. tell you anything. Yeah, those are just hand jobs in a school bus. You know, that's, <laughs> what are those? <laughs> and I, like, briefly, like, went on dates with guys freshman year of college. But, like, really, I'd been in one relationship. And... My husband was like super sweet. And so there, I, I had no idea how to be a good partner. I mean, I knew in certain ways how to be a good partner, but in other ways I had no clue um, because it was stuff my husband like didn't demand of me or ask me or like even think about seemingly, I don't know. And so like, for example, when I went into that relationship, I had not never heard of nonviolent communication. Mm. And so the whole idea of like, acknowledging I was wrong like um, <laughs> you know and it 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 wasn't just a thing where you know he explained it to me and I did it like I had to be trained and so you know I was just young and selfish and ignorant and you know all those things and I had no idea what I had in him you know I didn't appreciate him because I didn't know what dating was like and like what else was out there um and so that sounds tough to like be thinking oh I'm not being a good girlfriend. It was terrible. It was intolerable. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, ultimately. That sucks. I'm sorry. You know, I learned a lot. Yeah. And so like, and then like when you were off dating afterwards, did you ever think like, oh, fuck, I, I should call. What, what's his name back? I actually emailed him and the partner that I dated monogamously. And I was like, can you tell me what I did wrong in this relationship? Like You just sent an email? Yeah. You didn't start a whole podcast? Oh, that sounds easier. <laughs> I should have done that. <laughs> that would have been way less embarrassing. <laughs> Keep that in mind next time. Yeah. Next lifetime. <laughs> but nobody else got to benefit from these emails. So, you did know, the they podcast, email you back? They did. Yeah. What did you, you learn? Or um, is it just the stuff you had just... Mostly told? the stuff that I said. Yeah. yeah. And it, it was very kind of them. Um but yeah, I've been trying to avoid this person because um, I don't want to fuck their shit up. You think you'll fuck their shit up? I think the I think 
I cannot trust myself because I always have in the past. Like, okay, so we broke up and then we like kind of dated on and off. And it was just always, um, I don't know. I In every instance, I feel like I didn't treat him as well as he deserved. And I, I don't look, I have definitely learned things and I've grown. But I also know that the power of, um patterns is extremely strong Mm -hmm. and you know when you get around your childhood friends and you start acting like you did when you were that age yeah you know i'm not so confident that i would say like i won't have any temptation to revert back to old patterns and i just don't trust that that i think there's a good chance that we would both uh, end up worse off for that and that he would end up even worse off than I would. And I love him so much and I want the best for him more than I want what he would bring to my life. Do you think he sense. would? Oh no, that it's heartbreaking to hear, but it makes sense. Do you think he would take you back if you were trying to pursue that again? If you, if you got past it, like I don't want to fuck his shit up, but if you went, if you tried, if you went for it, do you think he would let you fuck his shit up? Yeah, and that's the thing is that I recognize how incredibly patronizing it is for me to say that like, you know, he wouldn't make the choice that would be um, best for him. But when I look back, I'm not sure he had been making the choice that is best for him with regards to me. And I think the thing about love and we were so in love is that you don't make rational choices like that's a hallmark of it. And so um, expecting either of us to consistently make rational choices about the other when we never have in the past is probably, um, again, it could happen, but I would just feel so terrible if me reaching out to him resulted in another bad experience for him. I just, I don't want that on my conscience Mm -hmm. right now. Anyway, I don't know. Who knows? But I want to give him the chance to have a happy life. How many times did y'all try make that? Oh time? my god, I don't, I don't know. Sound okay? A lot. <laughs> it was tumultuous. That our whole our our whole thing was extremely tumultuous, and so that's that's you know, if not part of, if not the whole reason, like a huge part of the reason that I think it would be best for me to just like let him. And I don't even know if he would talk to me honestly. And if he didn't, I would respect. You know, I'd be like, yeah, that's the self that's the self preserving choice. Well, it also sounds like it would be a step of growth for him at this point that if you were to reach out again for him to go like, not this, no, not this time. Totally, totally, and and he, you know, it'd be like that. It'd be like a, and a goodwill hunting. It's like a, it's a good one day. I just want to show up to the door and you left. You're not here. Yeah, you ever see goodwill hunting? I did, but I don't. No. When I watch something, ninety nine percent of the time, it immediately leaves my brain. Well, it's just there's the the Ben Affleck character. You know, he talks when he's like, "Look, I just one day you're better than all of us, so I hope one day I show up to pick you up in the morning and you left. Yeah, and you went to do something great. Yeah, because like you deserve that. Yes, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna be laying brick. Yes, yes. But like, do you think you're worth more than just laying brick? I think our I think the fact that I should avoid him has much more to do with our dynamic mm. than me not being a good person okay. at this point. Um but yeah, I mean I, I <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, being in a relationship, who knows. And what was it like trying doing a monogamous one right after? Whew. Yeah, that's what I imagine it would be like. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, 
the monogamy was fine for me. I am very horny, but we had like so much sex that, you know, I didn't mind not being able to have sex with other people. What I minded was the controllingness of it where like I remember one time I was at a happy hour and my friend my male friend like gave me a hug and like lifted me off the ground and you know I didn't think anything of it I was like okay and then later my partner was like he he touched your butt like he touched your butt like right in front of me like it was like an act of disrespect to him or something and I was just like Or, like, my other friend, like, kissed me on the mouth. And it was just, like, absolutely no moment. Like, I don't... It was not a sexual moment. It was, you know, peck. Yeah, it was just, like, friends. Mm. And, um... That's what Cuomo said. (laughs) (laughs) This was consensual. Paisan, this is what we do. (laughs) This is what that... (laughs) But, yeah, I, I think for me, like, monogamy is fine. I can go either way. But what I cannot go either way on is sex positivity, mm-hmm. where it's like if you are monogamous because it's just your preference and like it's easier for you, fine. If you're monogamous because you think it's right. Um, yeah, no. yeah. That's a really important distinction. Yeah. This is what I, this is how I prefer to date versus this is how dating should be. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that like at the end of the day, for some people, monogamy is kind of a way to feel safe. And like that partner never really felt safe with me. And me being monogamous didn't fix that for mm-hmm. us. Um, and so it just became like a point of tension where like I would do something, he would get upset, I would resent him for getting upset. And it was just like a bad cycle. And then ironically, like he ended up cheating on me a bunch. Oh. <laughs> Odd. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you had good relationships? <laughs> I, I feel like the listeners are like uh, being like, oh, we really hope there's something good for Kathy out there. <laughs> All of my relationships have been amazing. Um, I'm I'm really happy that I was in all of them. They were mostly wonderful. It just they had things that were unpleasant as well. Mm-hmm. And what are you looking for now in your life? As uh, we are hopefully going to stay in a in a non-lockdown world. Yeah. Well, I joke that I have a best friend and I'm just waiting for her to give up on men and marry me. (laughs) Um, But no, I mean, I think I was in a situation for a really long time where I like really wanted a partner, Mm -hmm. a romantic partner, a nesting partner. I wanted to get married again. And through therapy and meditation and psychedelics, I have finally come to a place where... I could really go either way on partnership. I really see the cons um, where when a partnership is good, it's incredible. But most people's partnerships, I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. Like, it's just way more trouble than it's worth, in my opinion. Not because they're bad people. It's just relationships are hard. Mm -hmm. Um, They just take up a lot of time. They require a lot of sacrifice. And, like, it's not always worth it. Um, but what I really, I remember I was talking to some of my friends, like two of my friends, and they were both talking about this like amazing sex that they had with their partners. And I was like, like all day kind of sex. And I was like, I like miss that so badly. It hurts. Like I miss being in love. I miss being in a situation where it's like both exciting, but also 
um, there's a certain amount of trust and safety where, you know, I think you can have like a certain kind of sex in a relationship that's much harder to do in um, other contexts. I miss like being obsessed with someone and someone else's smile or touch being able to like make explosions happen in my brain. Like I, I miss that so badly that I, you know, uh, it's, it's like physically painful, but I've had it. It was incredible. I'm grateful. And if it happens again, great. And if it doesn't, I've got other shit going on. What are the pros of being in a relationship for you then? I think for me, like, the thing that would be required for me to feel like a relationship was worthwhile would be growth, first and foremost. Like, growth and that I think a good relationship makes you more effective at your goals. And and when I say growth, like, to me, that encompasses so many things. Like, when I say I want to have that kind of sex, it's not just because, like, having sex is fun. It's because sex can be a really interesting way to get to know your own brain, right? To experience things that you have a hard time if it's not impossible to experience otherwise Um, and to get to know someone else and to have this level of intimacy, which I think is a really like pro growth thing to experience. And I think like, like you were saying, like someone who their ambitions align with mine and I can help facilitate their ambitions and help them reach their goals and they can help me reach my goals. Um, Yeah. Someone who I think a a good relationship is an excellent mirror where you see things about yourself you couldn't see otherwise, you know, that's pro growth for me. So I think I would need someone who wants to go on the same adventures or if not the same, like similar adventures that I want to go on. Like I want to go on these sexual adventures. I want to go on these career adventures. Like I want to go on literal adventures And um, I would love a partner to do those things with if, you know, it would be it would be pro growth uh, for both of us. And you said, uh, well, you know, and if not, I've got my own shit going on. One one of your shits going on is uh, is is the fans only. Yes. The lonely mans, the Pelosi fans, whatever you like, whatever fake words you call it to avoid the bots. Yes. Um, (laughs) So you've been on it for a couple years now or Uh, like two and a half years, something like that. Almost almost a year and a half. Almost a year and a half. Yeah. So, oh, so it's May 2020. Oh, so you got, oh, you also were a pandemic one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and so what caused, what caused you to start one of those? Uh, and, and what were, you know, was that, was it a, a stretch for you to put the body on the internet or was it just like, yeah, whatever. Tell us a little bit about getting into that. Yeah, for sure. So I did a little bit of sugar babying when I lived in D.C. Um, So I wasn't completely new to the world of sex work. But I also knew it wasn't something that I really wanted to do a lot more of. Um, And then I like heard about OnlyFans. I thought it was like a cool thing. I didn't know much about it. And then two writers that I had been following started their OnlyFans, either in pandemic or right before. And I was really surprised. I was like, oh, like you're a writer. Um, I'm surprised you're taking your clothes off for money on the internet. Are you allowed to do that? Yeah, a little bit. And still get bylines? You know, it's like... Yeah. And I thought, well, if I'm surprised, A, it's bullshit that I'm surprised. Like, there's Mm. nothing incompatible about being a writer and naked on the internet. It's just this kind of Madonna whore 
complex that we have where it's like you're either taken seriously or you're a thought, but not both, which I think is very stupid, but it's deeply ingrained. And so I thought, well, this is a possibility for me. And maybe it's important for me to do this. Maybe it's important that more people have this understanding that I don't lose any credibility um, because I take my clothes off. In fact, if I'm going to write about sex work, I have more credibility. Would you you'd already been right? I, I I've checked uh, yes. some you know on various outlets. So you've you'd already been writing about sex work decrim efforts. Absolutely. I assume from a libertarian like perspective, mostly. Absolutely. Usually, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was I was pro ho for a long time um, before I sugar babied actually, mm. um, and yeah. So I thought, well, if I'm going to write about this, like it it would only be helpful for me to have more credibility by being an active sex worker was was any part of you ever worried about what your intention was like oh am i just doing this like as a comic would do like am i doing this for the bit am i doing this for the articles Uh, or did you feel like you were doing it you know it from a good place from the right place that's an interesting question because i think there are some things where that's totally oh why is this spiking um there's some things where i'm like it's totally valid and chill to do that um but then there are other spaces where it's like, oh, maybe don't, you know what I mean? I think I was, it's, that's a really hard question to answer because in a way I feel like everything I do is a bit, but in a way I think even more accurately, everything I do is 100% earnest. Like I'm an extremely earnest person, but I also just think it's funny. Like I just thought it was hilarious that like, this pasty white 35 year old woman was gonna like nerdy ass person was gonna start an only fan if you like, think that's funny let me tell you about like a chubby white guy with thin hair <laughs> doing only fans it's way funnier <laughs> give me your link uh yeah sure i'm doing naked push-ups now <laughs> awesome i've done naked yoga i do naked yoga too <laughs> that's like that was one of the first things i did because i started doing yoga like a few months before i started the only fans it was like oh i could do like naked yoga that's easy totally uh yeah very <laughs> great minds yeah sl- same slutty minds think alike <laughs> um and, and so what was that experience so what was it like to finally put your body naked on the internet how'd you feel um but I mean, it's such an interesting question. I, I want to like expand on it a little more because I think it's super fascinating. I think that I definitely felt a strong recognition that it does give me some amount of credibility to be a sex worker when I talk about sex work, but that me starting an OnlyFans like as an art project on the side when I have a full-time job and health insurance and like a degree and I'm white and cis and thin and like is a completely different proposition than someone doing survival sex work, mm-hmm. even if it is only fans. Like it's just, it does give me some credibility, but it does not at all entitle me to uh, represent the perspective of all or even most sex workers. But your your pieces, if my my understanding, like they weren't typically like first person stuff, right? So it's not like it didn't seem like from the 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 articles I was seeing that you were like putting yourself in a place to represent, but rather you were writing about the thing. Something I think a lot of liberals like get have wrong, where they go like, if you're not this, you can't write about this. I'm like. Not true statement. Like literally anyone can write about anything and it's like how they do it is what the important thing is. And if you're not those things, then you should definitely make sure you're informed and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's dumb to say like you can't like if you're not a sex worker, you can't write about sex work. Totally. Yeah. I try not to be hardline about it, but I do think that 
a lot of people opine about sex work um, who are not sex workers mm-hmm. and it shows. And so I do think that we should privilege the perspectives of people who are not even sex worker. I mean, sex workers for sure, but it's like whoever is most impacted by whatever policy we're talking about, their perspective should be centered. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we're talking about sex work policy, Yes, I do do sex work, but I am not in the cohort of people who are most impacted by criminalization, for example. If you're writing about like SESTA-FOSTA, for example, um, maybe don't just talk to cis-het wealthy like sex workers. Maybe also talk to like outdoor sex workers, trans sex workers of color, like talk to the people not just who are like easiest to get to, but the people who are most impacted yeah, um, and represent their perspective on it, um, at least as much, if not more than, you know, the sex workers that you can identify more with. Uh, How do you feel? I assume you have written about sex work a few times since you started your OnlyFans? Many times. Right. So how has it felt different writing about it since doing OnlyFans from before? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely made it a little bit easier to write about it because, you know, I have more of a context, but it's mostly just, it's been really great because I've focused on sex work a lot more than I did before since starting my OnlyFans, and um, it feels like a like a good place for me to focus. The things that I write about are so much bigger than me personally doing OnlyFans part-time could you know, let me know about. So I still have to interview people. Like I still have to, to do my research. Mm. Um, but you were asking about how like it felt to be naked online, um, for the first time. And, you know, one thing that I've really enjoyed about OnlyFans is that it's taught me a lot about myself because it was really hard. And I, I didn't expect it to be. And it was, I thought it would be more like ripping a bandaid off where it's like, okay, I did it. Like I'm naked on the internet and you can find, you can see my body for $10, you know, but it wasn't like that. It was like, it's was consistently hard. And then like each like new thing, quote unquote was hard. Like I remember I, someone asked me like, I want to see your butthole. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll take a picture of my butthole. And then I was like doing it and I was like... It's very difficult to get a good shot of, the butthole, <laughs> of one's own butthole, <laughs> right? Well, the ring light and tripod made it much better. But yes, it, it was logistically difficult, but it was also emotionally difficult. And it yeah? Was, yeah, and it was like weird because it's not in my ideology. It's not in my brain, like the thinky part to have any problem with this. Like it's a butthole. Like everyone has them. There's nothing to be ashamed about. Like that's what I've been preaching for years. But then when it came time for me to show my butthole, it was a different ball game. And it just shows that like you can you can think all of these high minded thoughts about how the world should be. But that deep training that deep shame that you were told from a, from childhood and that you get from media and from culture, it's it's there, and you may not be aware of it, but it's it's still there, and it still um, influences you whether you're aware of it or not. And so, I think OnlyFans has been great for me to like bring those things to the surface and like force me to confront this ongoing like lingering 
you know, shame and stigma and discomfort around sex. And to kind of bring it back around a bit to, to close out, but do you feel like, you know, you bring up shame there and I had written down from earlier with the purity culture stuff. Do you feel like um, being raised as a, as a horny ute, as a Joe Pesci would say in mm-hmm. a certain movie, uh, b- being a horny ute in purity culture, do you feel like you were instilled with sexual shame then? And do you feel like it still has an impact on you now at 35? I mean, I think that there's almost no chance my life would look the way it does if I hadn't been brought up in that culture, right? Mm-hmm. I think that a, a lot of my life- You're and saying I, you would not have been showing your butthole for money no. if you weren't in purity culture? No. I, I You know, who knows? I'm going to clip that and send to every fucking youth leader totally. in the South and be like, this is what you're making. Totally. <laughs> I dated briefly a Greek Orthodox guy and he was like- of course you're obsessed with sex. Like you grew up evangelical and it had never occurred to me. I'm like, yes, I was raised to be obsessed with sex in one direction. And I'm similarly obsessed with sex. It's just in the other direction. Yeah. But, but, but do you feel like it still has an impact on you today? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I am obsessed with spreading the gospel of sex positivity because of how harmful it was to me and to so many people to grow up being told that sex is shameful and that unless you do it under very specific circumstances, you know, that you're sinning against God and like harming your own body and that all these bad things will happen to you. Like that was completely unnecessary. It was completely just a negative thing in my life to be taught those things. And so, you know, I was taught so many things about things being wrong and things being shameful, even not like drugs and like so many things, pornography um, and divorce, like so many things. And I am just like, no, like we're not going to tell people that these things are bad when we know that the empirical evidence indicates that telling people that they're bad are worse than the thing itself. Like, I understand if you don't know better but we do know better. And so it's time to do better. Absolutely. Uh, Kathy, thanks for, thanks for going on this journey with us. Uh, I, I feel like I, uh, we, we learned quite a bit about you. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we accidentally learned some things that you didn't think we were going to go into. No, we did, I did not. But you know what? <laughs> this is cheaper than therapy. Yeah. Hey, you almost made me cry. Um, Kathy, where can people go uh, to, to read more of your work to learn more about libertarianism to look at your butthole where can they go totally so the butthole is at onlyfans.com slash kathy risenwitz that's c-a-t-h-y-r-e-i-s-e-n-w-i-t-z you didn't you you know you you had the option of like doing a shorter easier name you could have uh could come i did call me billy because i didn't want to have to spell Prasita. <laughs> so i did search engine optimization for my first job fair fair um so if you look up kathy risewitz you will find all my shit and uh yeah but that is the like, downside <laughs> that's the only fans uh and anywhere else you'd like them to go yeah totally if you could um please check out my newsletter slash blog it's on Substack. it's called sex in the state so if you google that you should find it and otherwise Oh, it's about all this stuff, about evangelicism, about purity culture, about why, like, what the empirical evidence says about pornography, why we should decriminalize sex work, essays about my vagina, like, my loneliness, my therapy. Like, it's it's a lot. Um, you'll love it. <laughs> this episode, but written down. This is yeah, perfect. And funnier, hopefully. And funnier. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Um, 
Yeah, you should be my editor. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, kathyreisenwitz.com slash Substack. And then I'm like super online on Twitter um, at Kathy Reisenwitz. I'm on Instagram. Um, yeah, check me out. Fantastic. Everyone go check that out. And uh, y'all know you can follow me uh, at the Billy Presida most of the places. Call me Billy on OnlyFans. Um, Instagram, Billy is Presida. Uh, Kathy, thanks again for chatting with us. And why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. Appreciate y'all. Kathy Reisenwitz, everybody. Uh, can I tell y'all something that happened, you know, when we turned the mics off? Okay, so we're packing up. We're about to walk out of her apartment. We were talking a little bit about OnlyFans stuff, and she just kind of threw out there, hey, you ever do collabs? And I was like, well... I mean, yeah, sometimes she's like, I mean, if you want to shoot something together while you're in town, you know, I'd really love to make time for that. And I was like, oh, um, yeah, yeah, I think I can. Yeah, you want to collab with me? Really? I mean, I think we can do that. So, um, yeah, the, the uh, I met up with the pretty lady a few days later and she interviewed me for like at least an hour, which is my perfect kind of foreplay because we all know that I am my favorite topic of conversation. Uh, so I was very much warmed up. And, and then we shot some content together for the OnlyFans. Yeah, that was unexpected. So, you know, you've got, you've got your episode just now with Kathy Reisenwitz. Uh, my Patreon members tomorrow are going to get a bonus episode about libertarianism and feminism with Kathy Reisenwitz. And if you head on over to OnlyFans.com slash CallMeBilly, you'll be able to purchase my blowjob scene with Kathy Reisenwitz. Again, that's OnlyFans.com slash CallMeBilly. Uh, but we would love to know what you thought about this week's episode. You should come let us all know what you thought in the Champagne Room, which is our free Discord for sex-positive peoples. Jump on into the episode discussion channel. Let us know what you thought. Uh, and if you want to tell me a little bit privately, more directly, uh, maybe you have a comment, a question, a criticism, you can send any and all of that over to manhorpod at gmail.com. Well, I'm throwing out the email address. You know, we still got it. Uh, I think we need three. I think we have three slots left in the Fan Whore Fantasy Football League. So if you want in, it's a $30 league, half point PPR. Again, shoot me an email, manwhorepod at gmail.com to claim it. And one more time, uh, big ups to all of Fan Whore Nation on Patreon. Uh, I, your support, the fact that you all uh, find space for me in your monthly budgets means a whole lot to me. Uh, and your support really keeps this show going and plugging as we smash through episode 400. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing some more uh, bigger, stuntier episodes and uh, that I have the the financial security that my Patreon community provides me. Um, it really allows me to take those chances and to uh, spend the money to make some of that type of stuff happen please get vaccinated stay slutty only once oh that's not true um i only gotten one where i was yelling that's what the nazi said (laughs) 